Today's episode is brought to you by Ringer University. With March Madness here, our college basketball experts, Tate Frazier and Mark Titus, tell you everything you need to know about this year's tournament. You can listen and subscribe to their podcast by searching Ringer University on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday is Kevin O'Connor from TheRinger.com. Kevin! What up, Chris? Well, last night was actually very fun for me. I actually I went to the Grizzlies-Bucks game, and I got to see Vince Carter, the ageless one, 40 years old, lead a team in scoring and knock down six three-pointers. So it's not all so often that uh, you get to witness history, and that was odd history to say the least, but uh, history nonetheless. And uh, getting to, I, I love, I love him getting all this love today because he is, he's one of the few guys over the course of the last 15 years of covering the NBA. He'd be in my top five of guys I've covered. Vince Carter is the best. And then seeing him getting thrown into a starting lineup and perform like that, like 40 year olds literally don't do that. Like they never do that. I think that it said, Five other guys have ever done it, and no 40-year-old has ever hit six three-pointers in a game. So last night was good for me. Hey, man, like I think it was good for everybody who's a longtime NBA fan, right? I think with Vince Carter, we get to enjoy those performances. We get to enjoy what we have left of him because, granted, he just scored 24 points last night on a perfect eight for eight. We don't know how long it's going to last, right? So we get to enjoy it, and last night was a great reminder of the the stud he once was in the early 2000s for the Raptors. Well, and it made everybody forget about the devastating news that came out before the game that Chandler Parsons has torn up his knee again and is going to be out for the season and the Grizzlies got the booby prize uh, certainly for this first year with a 94 million dollar contract they spent on Chandler Parsons and the season ends literally with a whimper for him and so that's what enabled Vince Carter to even be in the lineup last night but I actually do not think that's going to hurt the Grizzlies in the least this year. Parsons was just never right this year. And then the poor guy is going to, this is three seasons in a row. His season ends because of a knee injury. I mean, it's got to help him in the sense that they've, he's played 34 games this season and he stunk for essentially most of those 34 games. So instead of forcing the issue with the guy, you're paying almost a hundred million dollars, right? Now you can play somebody who will produce within their role instead of forcing the issue with him. So, I mean, it sucks for Parsons though, right? It's just a couple of years ago, we were looking at him as one of really the best young forwards in the NBA and and he's only gotten worse since then largely because of the injuries it's just it's sad to see that happen for a player especially someone so young super sad and the league has gone his way you know in terms of him being able to move over like a years ago he would have just probably been a small forward but you can get so many minutes at four and be devastating from that position if he was right but he's just he's never been right since he's put on a Grizzlies uniform that's for certain even before that with Dallas, for that matter. Right at the end of last year. Um, I will say the other thing that took place was getting to see Giannis in person. And he is one of the, I'd say like five guys. He is sneaky, 100% worth the price of admission. But, you know, outside of like superstars, right? You want to see Steph, you want to see LeBron. But I will say he he might be number one on the list of you don't appreciate it until you see it. 
in person, like you can't fully appreciate it. And I would say him and Porzingis are these guys where when you see them, you realize just how freakish they are and how much different they are than everybody else out on the court at their size, their length, and their ability to do what they can do. They're just, I mean, he is crazy, Kevin. Crazy. you know, and the funny thing is, like, you didn't even see him at his best I know. <laughs> last night. You, you didn't even see Giannis when he's putting up, like, 30, 10, and 8 or something like that. I mean, he has... Gian- Giannis is really a pleasure to watch. I think I think more than any any under... What is he, 22 now? More yeah. than any 22 or under player in the NBA, I think Porzin- uh Anthony Kumpo might be my favorite to watch at this point in the NBA. He He's a joy. I'm glad you saw him in person, Chris. Let's go to some of the other stories in the NBA. The Spurs caught the Warriors for the best record last night. Does that remain? Are we going to look up at the end of the year and the Spurs are the one seed? Uh, So this day, today, March 14th, 2017, this day is for everybody who said the season's over. Warriors win. Don't even play the regular season. Let's just go straight to the playoffs because this doesn't matter. Today is for those people because, granted, it's true that you know the Warriors could go sixteen and zero in the playoffs and just completely just tear through the league. That's possible. But I think you know, as I wrote last week on the Ringer.com, the Spurs are still right there. They are right there with the Warriors. They have a lot of depth, and once they get healthy, hopefully Aldridge gets back. When Kawhi is killing it like he has been the last two months or so they're right there with the Warriors and I don't know if if they'll be able to beat them in the playoffs but I think it would be a really really competitive series and I think that's a lot more than what anybody might have been expecting at the beginning of the year or even last summer when the Warriors first signed Kevin Durant the Warriors aren't necessarily going to be a team that's going to lose in the playoffs but they are beatable they are prone i think the spurs and the rockets could really give it to them in a seven game series and that's exciting and today today is a reminder that they are beatable at some point in the playoffs the warriors obviously have the question mark of durant we just don't know at what point he's going to be able to come back if he's going to be able to play a few regular season games before the playoffs if he's back for round one we just don't know And the same thing goes with Aldridge, but it seems a little more daunting for the Spurs and their ability to have what most would, most everybody would consider their second best player in the lineup. Because when that heart condition got announced last weekend, that is super scary stuff. And when you announce immediately that he's out indefinitely, usually what that means is that a doctor told you, do not play. Right. And, th- and now you're going to have to be talking to other doctors. But somebody told him, don't go out there and play. And when you're talking about, you know, a heart thing, who knows what could happen with that? I guess the question now becomes, would you rather play the Spurs without Aldridge? If I told you Durant wouldn't be there in the first round and, and, uh, and I'm on a low seeded team, would you rather face the Spurs without Aldridge or the Warriors without Durant, if he's not available. <laughs> I mean, it it sounds a little un- un- unorthodox to say, but the the Warriors don't look great lately, right? Like they just look completely out of sorts without KD. So, in some ways, you'd rather face them <laughs> because the Spurs can make up for Aldridge. Uh, I think with their depth. Um, so in that sense, I, I, in a way I'd rather play the Warriors if they're without KD, but at the same time, they, they still have more top end talent at the top of their rotation, but on, on Aldridge, right on his heart condition, I looked back to 
2011 when he had the procedure like in December of the lockout year. The original report said after that minor minor procedure he had that he would miss five to seven days of practice and then return to light practice. And eventually he did return to practice and he did return for the start of the regular season in December. So I do wonder if, you know, with him, if he did get the procedure, it would be another short term thing. That's what you would hope. Right. right. I think every, everybody hopes that that would be the case for Aldridge. Um, but that remains to be seen. It, it, it is interesting that they said out indefinitely instead of um, clarifying what exactly will happen or won't happen. Right. Because typically what you have is injury, or in this case, this is a little different than an injury. This yep. is rather a condition. But you have announcement of in- injury, how you are going to deal with the injury, and then the rehabilitation process, and then you're back on the court. This one is much more tricky. And obviously when you're dealing with a major organ um, super scary stuff, right? Because it's not an elbow. It's not a knee. Like it's life or death when you're talking about, you know, playing with the, with a, with a heart condition. For sure. And, and you know, I, I read last night, I, I forget which paper it was in San Antonio, but they, they said that he underwent new tests Monday. So yesterday, and he's supposed to talk to team doctors again today, Tuesday. So it's possible by the time this publishes that we will hear more for Aldridge. Um, but so hopefully whatever we do here is positive news. For certain. Uh, so now the Spurs have caught the Warriors. I am, I did not think the Warriors were just going to keep on flying high, but they have been worse than what I would have suspected, Kevin. I did think in the end, you still got Draymond, you still got Clay, you still got Steph, and there was a... There's a process of figuring it out with Durant. Inevitably, when he goes out, now you're going to have to go back. But there, there should have been, I would think, uh, you know, more more comfortable, right? It's just like now playing without Durant. Obviously, you got some new faces in the lineup. Whatever. Um, Clay Thompson is probably he's been the major culprit. I mean, the numbers are are very bad since Durant went to the bench. But they are. I this has hurt them. I think more than anyone would have suspected, wouldn't you say? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Durant got injured on February 28th against the Wizards. If you told me that game they're going to lose, right? I would say, okay, I understand that. But if you told me since then that they would go two and four, right. I would have been like, no, 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 no way. Because you're right. They, they still have a ton of talent and you would think that they would be really, it would be simple for them to really just distribute the load elsewhere much like they did last season but it's been a weird adjustment and some of the losses they've had are really interesting and it's not like they necessarily blew out the Knicks either who have stunk right it's not like they blew out the Hawks who have been super average over the last like 50 games or so they, they've had all close games or losses and that's stunning to me uh, and I and I wonder if tonight against the Sixers and later this week against the Magic, they start figuring out against these lower-level teams, or if they continue to, to have difficulties. Vegas thinks so. I saw this morning, they're like 16 or 17-point favorites, which that is... You don't see a lot of 16s wow. or 17s in the NBA, you know, teams being favored by that amount. And the other thing, in fairness, we got to throw out the Spurs game. Right? They're 2-3, and three, really. The Spurs game, I mean, yeah, nobody th- played. Th- yeah, that's true. That, that's a good point. Right. That's a good point. And it also wrecks their numbers even worse. You know, there are those games that, you know, when you when you get drilled like that, like they did against San Antonio, that is going to get thrown in the pod of what things have been like without Durant. But it's clearly not a fair representation of what things are like without Durant. But 
frankly, the numbers without Durant are crap too. <laughs> they really they're, they're are. Shooting, I mean, they, they're yeah. shooting, including the, the game Durant got hurt. As a team, they're shooting 31.1% from three on 29.9% attempts per game. Curry shooting 27.7%. Clay shooting 27.3% from three. So their two sharpshooters are, are, have been absolutely horrific shooting um, over the past uh, week or so, two weeks or so, rather. The thing is, though, is like they're still going through a small, a small stretch of games. Like I, I, I don't think it's worth overreacting to it in the sense that these guys can heat up at any moment. And, and maybe this just happens to be one of the lulls they're going through, and it would have happened whether Durant was playing or not. But the question becomes... I think that people thought, even without Durant, it could be a Western Conference Finals team. They will not, they could not make the Western Conference Finals without Durant. I don't believe. So you don't think, okay, here, here's me playing devil's advocate, devil's okay. advocate here. So let's say, let's say part of the reason why they've had struggles is because of a lack of practice time during the middle of the regular season when it's busy, tons of shit's happening and and it's hard to really figure things out um, when you don't have a lot of time to get together and practice with your new core minus Durant. So if Durant were out for the rest of the year, I think that they would have lots of time during the playoffs to really figure things out. And maybe they still wouldn't have enough depth to make it to the Western Conference finals. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think that extra time building chemistry together would allow them to really tweak things in a way that would really enhance the abilities of the guys that they already have on their team. Like you might see Draymond's role change a little bit more. You might see Steph's change a little bit more. I understand the depth is still an issue, but I feel like they still have enough that they could make it despite not having Durant. They would not beat the Rockets without Durant. No way. If that two met in the second round. Not the Spurs either. If that, I'm sorry? No, I'm saying, I'm no. saying like that's the way it would work out right now. If, if things played to form... And they were the two seed, and they I'm saying without Durant. Now, with Durant, they'll beat anybody, I believe. But without him, no, they would not beat Houston. How many games is it going? Like, let's say no KD facing the Rockets, second round of the playoffs. Everybody's healthy on Houston. Everybody's healthy on Golden State except for Durant. How many games is that the series The Rockets going? win in six games. What if they'd Durant's the, healthy? Without Durant, I'm saying. Without Durant, what if, Durant, what, what if Durant's healthy, though? I think Golden State wins. If he is Kevin Durant, now again, if he is hobbled Kevin Durant, I still think the Rockets would beat him. I, I mean, well, it's got to be the real Kevin Durant. That That's the variable here that people aren't really right. focusing on, right? Is, you know, when KD's back, he won't necessarily be KD. He he he, right. he might take a little time to get back from the the sprained MCL be, uh, because that that can take time to return to form from. I think a lot of people underestimate the severity of that injury. Right? I think I think if you look back through guys that have suffered that injury, sometimes it takes a little bit of time for them to get back to form, and sometimes it can take a whole summer for to for you to really get a hundred percent healthy. And it's possible the KD that comes back is only 90%. And maybe that's enough. Maybe they only need 90% KD, but if he's 70%, 60%, well, then we could be running into trouble for golden state. That's right. And if you're uh, the reason I'm saying this is because if you run into a team like the Rockets, you get into a score fest, right? And the numbers just don't add up. It's going to be hard to get to 120 points. With no Durant, like they're just taking that, they're taking almost thirty points out of the lineup, and I don't think it's easily replaced because 
once you you can't count on Iguodala to get you twenty even. I mean that that he had like that monster game. What was it like Atlanta or somebody? He had the he had the monster game, but it, that was like a real rarity. And Draymond's not a guy that's going to go get you twenty every night. Clay's been struggling. I, I just, when you're trying to add up the numbers, like where do the where do all the points come from when you got to get to that total in order to win games? That's that's tough sledding without Durant. It would be fascinating to watch with or without Durant, because, and I hope that's the series we do end up getting. I want to see Warriors versus Rockets because I, I one of the comments Daryl Morey made last month after the deadline it kind of fascinated me. He said, "This is a quote: We figured our chance to beat Golden State was to send them a barrage of three pointers. We've got guys that can put them in the basket, and, and they're averaging over forty-five three-point attempts per game since the All Star break." Clearly, that's the plan. It's just fire away from three-point land, and it would be a fascinating series to watch. I think someone like Charles Barkley might hate, but a lot of people would love to watch a unique series like that with a lot of three-pointers being attempted. All right, Kevin, I want to talk to you about what happened in that Jazz Clippers game last night. But first, these words. The NBA playoff chase is heating up, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets for your favorite team's games. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere with just a few taps. I can instantly find seats. I I actually just use SeatGeek to buy tickets to a concert in town. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. Saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And you get the most bang for your buck. SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get that $20 rebate, download the SeatGeek app, click on the Settings tab, and add promo code. Enter the promo code RINGERNBA. SeatGeek will send you $20 once you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code RINGERNBA today. Another thing that happened last night was there was a sentiment that the the Jazz have had a really good season. They have battled through injuries throughout this year, but they didn't have a lot of what people would consider real quality wins, but they have gotten those as of late. And the big win for them over the Clippers last night and a almost certain preview of what we could see in a playoff series. Uh, what do you think about Jazz Clippers? Is that a great series if we get it? <laughs> I think the Jazz would win it. I I I, I really like that Utah team. We, we've talked about them a handful of times this year, Chris. You mentioned trademark wins. They've beaten the Wizards, the Rockets, and the Clippers since the tra- uh, the trade deadline. They lost the uh, Thunder though last week. Um, I just think that team, when they're totally healthy, when they when they have all their guys, which they didn't have earlier in the year, they can really beat a lot of teams, and they they have the adaptability to to really take on different forms, right? Like they can play with two bigs or they can play with small ball. And I think that'll allow them to really play different teams differently. And plus, I think they have a deep bench as well. They have Ingles, good three-point shooter, really good player, better than he gets credit for. Joe Johnson obviously can go off any night. Dante Exum, don't give up on this dude. Just don't give up on young point guards. Exum has really made strides lately. 
coming off the bench for them. Alec Burks is still good, right? And they're starting five. Like Everybody knows how good their starters are. Gobert, one of the best rim protectors in basketball. George Hill looks awesome this year. Rodney Hood, Gordon Hayward, Boris Dia, and then not to mention that Derek Favors has been out. So they have the ability to take on so many different roles. They have a great starting five, and they have a really deep bench. They, I feel like if there's any team in the West that nobody talks about that can make a run, like a surprise run, I think Utah m- might have a chance. I don't, I don't think they quite have enough to beat those top end teams, but I think they can really, really give it to them. Oh, for sure, they could put the fear of God in San Antonio. Absolutely. If, if San Antonio didn't have Aldridge, right? Because Again, you got this front line. You got big guys on that Utah team. And Gobert could feast in that series. Seriously. Um, so I could if, if it played out like that and they were the four seed and they moved on and they played San Antonio, I mean, people it would not be aesthetically pleasing to a lot of people. You're probably getting some <laughs> you're probably getting some ninety two eighty sevens. Imagine that second round, Spurs oh. versus Jazz and Warriors versus Rockets. It'd be like watching two basketball <laughs> from two different eras in some ways. <laughs> that being said, if you are right and those teams matched in the playoffs and Utah disposed of them, that could be the end for Doc. And certainly this Clipper era of Paul Griffin and, and, and Jordan, right? They'd, they'd break it up after that. And Ballmer might roll on Doc. If, if, they, if they got bounced in the first round by Utah, oof. You know, I, I've thought a lot about that lately, you know, with Doc Rivers, because, you know, if you're Steve Ballmer, right, maybe if Doc, if Doc Rivers looks at, the, looks at the situation and says, oh, yeah, we don't need to change anything. This is our core. We can win a title with these guys. Maybe if you're Steve Ballmer, you get to look at Doc and say, maybe that's the change that actually needs to be made in order so the correct changes can be made to the roster. But the problem with that, though, is is how would getting rid of Doc affect the decisions of Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and J.J. Redick this year? Three of their four best players are free agents this summer. And one wrong move could really blow up everything that they have going. When when in actuality, I think as we've probably discussed before and as I've written about before, is I think they should have made a trade last summer. I think that was the time to trade Blake and really maximize their return before he had the injury this year. Granted, he's still been on a tear for the most part since returning from that. The injury is scary, and and now he's going to be a free agent in the summer. Chris Paul is going to be a free agent in the summer, and J.J. Reddick could always leave too. I, I just think the time to make the tweak has been missed. And even if all those guys come back, it's going to be hard for you to, to make the necessary tweaks to this rotation because the fit isn't great enough. It's really, really, really good, but it's not enough. And and, and it's disappointing in, in many ways because I, I love all those players individually. It's just they don't fit in, in the way that they could or should. Another story from last night was the Ray John Rondo comments. Uh, Ray John Rondo thinks the Bulls have a shot at the playoffs, but the front office is too busy plotting the future to truly go for it. So here is the <laughs> here's the war going on, right? That they are going to develop young guys and they are looking more with an eye towards the future, with an eye towards the present. It is unsurprising that veteran guys would get pissed off about this. Many don't voice their opinion, uh, but Ray John Rondo, for certain, he did. Um, and and even Dwayne Wade uh, talked about he he talked about 
the frustration going on. Uh, Jimmy Butler, it's funny because you got those things. You got Rondo being frustrated, Wade being frustrated. And then I saw the headline this morning, Jimmy Butler says he wants to be a bull for life. And I'm like, wait, what's going on here? (laughs) I thought everybody was pissed off there. Like Jimmy Butler's like, Hey, I want to be a bull forever. Like it it just, it just seemed like odd timing, right? (laughs) With everything going on to see that particular headline. Uh, But what do you make about Rondo? And really just, I threw Hoiberg completely under the bus by saying he wants a coach that he can sit down with and figure out what their goals are, and he just feels misled, and it's just good grief. What a mess in Chicago. So if I were Rajon Rondo's agent, I would be like, just stop talking because you're a backup point guard now, and you need to have that self-awareness that teams don't want a, a point, an outspoken backup on the team. Like Rondo essentially now is the eighth or ninth guy, maybe on your roster and, and teams are, aren't going to want an outspoken player who criticizes the coach. That's their eighth or ninth guy off the bench. You can, you can deal with that if that's your best player, right? I think you can, you can live with it. Um, if, if that guy isn't the easiest guy to deal with, but if he's your eighth or ninth or 10th guy in the roster, that that's that's only going to hurt his chances i think to sign with certain teams as for what rondo said i mean look i've written before about the dysfunction in the bulls front office and it's pretty clear that granted i think hoiberg could be a good coach with the right roster fit it's clear that there's a disconnect between him and the players and if a change needs to be ha- needs to be made well then maybe you do have to make the change i honestly think the change needs to happen to the roster i think trade Jimmy Butler for the best offer available this summer. Try to get a lot, a lot of draft picks. Forget about trading for players. Just get a lot of draft picks and young players, not veterans. Let Rondo walk wherever he wants to go, whether that's in Spain or uh, another team in the NBA. Let Wade go. It's just rebuild. <laughs> rebuild with a roster that actually fits Hoiberg's style of play and give him another year. Give him even half a season to try to figure out with a young roster, with Pete pace and space the type of basketball he likes to play instead of forcing the issue with this weird mix of veteran players that everybody knew wasn't going to work everybody knew the bulls team wasn't going to work and if anything in some ways they've been worse than some people expected like their low has been really really low i just think it's clear what needs to happen and i'm not sure i i think hoy firing hoiberg is a simple fix when in actuality it might not be a fix at all it's interesting because if there were bets that were going down, maybe especially with all the turmoil and all the media coverage there's been, probably that Hoiberg would would get let go. I have not seen now. Maybe somebody has, and I just haven't noticed it. I haven't seen anybody uh, address this or write about it this year. Hey, maybe you could do it, Kevin. Hey, I'm open to ideas. I would to love ideas. to know when the and not Hoiberg specifically. It has got to have been forever since we have had an NBA season without a coach getting fired. like, hmm. And it's not going to happen, right? I mean, we're only 15 games left. So at this point, nobody's firing their coach. I mean, you always but, could. You could always what? do it late. Oh, God. If you fire somebody with 15 games left to go, that's just asinine. <laughs> I mean, when's when's the already... last time there was actually a season without a firing, though? That's what I'm saying. I mean, I, like, I it cannot was, recall I, one. I can't either. It, it's got to if, if you told me it's been 20 years, it wouldn't surprise me. I think at least 30 years. I mean, I, I don't think there's ever been a time uh, a year in my lifetime. And I'm 26. No. I, 
I can't think of a single time. Granted, I can't remember way back then, but I can't remember a time ever where a coach hasn't been fired midseason. Oh no! Most of these guys don't have their jobs for longer than three years. I mean, you, you have Popovich and you have Carlisle, and then I think Terry Stotts, and then there's a massive drop off to whoever would be next on the longest tenured coaches. I mean, the the, the I Doc's the next one. Doc would be next on the list if we're we just talking a, about the Western Conference. Tom Ziller of SB Nation, shout out Tom Ziller, yeah. said at least one NBA coach has been fired during each of the past 35 seasons, and the streak <laughs> could go back further, but records get difficult to parse in the 1970s. So at least 35 years. Shout out to Team Ziller. Uh, 35 years? Wow. Damn. And this could be the first one to break that streak. That's incredible, right? I I, I hope we go a year because I feel like oftentimes in every sport, particularly the NFL, I think more than any sport, coaches get fired too quick. I think oftentimes they need time to install their system. And that's my case with Hoiberg. It's like this roster, this roster is not a fit for his style of basketball at all. And sure, you could say, well, the coach needs to adapt to the players that he's given and, and tailor his system towards their needs. And it's true. You know, a coach does need to do that. But this this group of guys is not a great fit for any style of basketball in the modern era, right? I think I still think they're 30th and three-point attempts per game, and 30th, and three-point percentage. <laughs> and it's not like it's it's not like this team can get better as three-point shooters. They're not going to turn Wade into a knockdown shooter or Rondo into a knockdown shooter. And as good as Jimmy Butler is, he's not a great three-point shooter either. This team is, needs guys that can play with space. And maybe you keep Butler and change everything else, but I don't know if that can work either. I think they need to rebuild and let Hoiberg build with a young roster. Look at what the Celtics did a couple years ago they gave brad stevens a young roster right to give him time to develop his guys and then they added veterans throughout right so give a young coach in hoiberg a young roster to allow him to build his system and then we'll see what happens i i think you need to give hoiberg time all right kevin we gotta take a quick break and then i want to talk to you about this article you wrote for the ringer the nba scouting roadmap to march madness we'll get to that after these words NCAA March Madness is upon us, and you can find tons of March Madness tips at coke.com slash always ready. I heard about the website when I was at Walmart picking up a six-pack of Coca-Cola and an eight-pack of Powerade for the big tip-off, and I found it incredibly helpful. It also had all kinds of stats and pointers that you don't usually think about when you're filling out your bracket. So not only did I leave Walmart with my favorite game-time refreshments, I also got tons of info that helped strengthen my bracket and put my friends to shame at least for now it just goes to show that when you pick up coca-cola and powerade at walmart you'll always be ready for tip-off so head over to walmart and gear up to watch all the games with coca-cola and powerade and get in the march madness action by visiting coke.com slash always ready that's coke.com slash always ready ncaa and march madness are trademarks of the national collegiate athletic association 
March Madness is finally underway, and there's no better place to bet on games than BetDSI, the top-rated business on sportsbook review sites. BetDSI is the largest sportsbook online with over 20 years in the business. Their live in-game wagering lets you make plays throughout the entire game while they're live and running. You can even bet on the go with the BetDSI mobile betting. Not to mention, BetDSI has built a reputation of being completely dependable, so you can count on them to repay your winnings fast. Plus, if you ever have any questions... BetDSI's great customer service is available 24-7, 365 days a year. And now, in honor of March Madness, BetDSI is having a million-dollar bracket contest for all of our listeners. Entry is free because completing a perfect bracket is close to impossible. They're offering prizes for the best overall March Madness brackets as well. Best of all, you get $25 credit just for registering, as well as a 200% bonus with first-time deposits when you enter the promo code nba 25. That's a 200% bonus on a first-time deposit with promo code NBA25 at BetDSI.com. All right, Kevin, so you wrote about the uh, primer for the relevant names that uh, NBA fans need to pay attention to when you're watching the NCAA tournament. It's the best prospects. This is also, I, I know we just talked about coaches not being fired for the last 35 years in seasons. You know what else is incredibly rare? Probably having two consecutive first round picks that did not appear in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I mean, what an indictment, right? Because last year's Ben Simmons, we didn't get to watch him in the tournament. And this year, it's, I mean, I think a prohibitive favorite is Markel Fultz. He's not going to be in the NCAA tournament, which is crazy. Uh, but I guess my first question is do you think that somebody could get on a big run, whether it's Lonzo Ball, whether it's Jason Tatum, um, whether whoever it may be, that has a monster tournament, and we look up and there's a new number one. That somebody gets on a run, has these five, six great games, and that the number one becomes their slot after the tournament. Sure. Yeah, I think I think granted Fultz is one on my board. He's number one on the ringers board. He's number one on basically every site out there at this point. It doesn't mean he's number one on every team's board. And I think that's kind of the misconception a lot of people have in the public. They think that the the draft boards that they see the consensus rankings are what every team has. But that's not the case, really. Teams have drastically different boards, never mind the individuals within the front office and the scouting department. So it's very possible right now at this moment, there are teams that have Lonzo Ball over Markel Fultz, or there might be a team that prefers Jason Tatum over Markel Fultz. And for some of those teams, it doesn't matter because they're not going to have a, a chance at the number one pick. But there probably is a segment within the NBA front office population that doesn't have Fultz number one. So I think, you know, if you look at a guy like, I, I especially think Lonzo Ball and Jason Tatum were the guys that could really make a run for that number one spot. Just because of Tatum's ability, Tatum, a forward at Duke, he has the ability to really become a go-to scorer at the next level. He he's already has advanced ball handling moves, step back jumpers, spin moves. You watch him, he looks like an NBA veteran when it comes to scoring the basketball. Lonzo Ball, elite passing vision for UCLA, makes everybody else on the court better. And he can spot up and shoot from way downtown off the dribble. He has questions, but maybe if he gets on a super hot run, he can make a push. I think those two guys particularly could. Do you think the dad deal hurts him at all? 
I love this guy, by the way. Lavar uh, Lavar Ball seeks combined one billion dollar shoe deal for three sons. Lavar Ball says he could have beaten Michael Jordan back in the day. You know, oh my god, this guy, this guy is the best. I am, you know, uh, being in Memphis, the regional is here, and that's the one that could have Carolina, Kentucky, and UCLA. I am praying UCLA makes it because I have to hang out with Lavar Ball. I have Can to. Can we get him on a podcast? A hundred percent. You gave me an article idea. I'm giving you a podcast idea. Let's get a lot of pod. I promise you. I swear to you. If UCLA makes the regional in Memphis, LeVar Ball will be on the podcast. Uh, (laughs) Unless he says no. And he, okay. he, this guy would run five miles to find a microphone. So <laughs> the idea that he would say no would be stunning. Uh, and plus, I think we here at the ringer.com like Lonzo Ball. Jonathan Sharks wrote a nice article on Ball today. Uh, I like Ball a lot. Um, so I, I think tell, tell him that we, we, we at the ringer.com love Lonzo ball and maybe we, he'll come on the we, show. No, we I, love Lonzo. We love LaMelo. We love yeah. what's the, what's the other one's name? There's another one. We, too. we love them all. We love them all. Yeah. We, 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 we rock their shirts all the time too. And speaking oh, of those shirts, it's, uh, it's Leangelo who just yeah. dropped 52 points I, in I, his I, last game. So in terms of his dad becoming like, you know, a problem or whatever, right. I think in some ways it's overblown um, in the sense that once this kid's in the NBA, I think all that really is going to matter is basketball. And and there's bigger things to talk about where whatever LeVar Ball is saying is just going to be in the background. However, it, it, it is it is hard to gauge how that might affect, like, let's say, a small market team. Like, let's say Lonzo Ball falls into a market where there's not a lot to talk about where, where let's say, I don't know, let's, let's pick out a situation. Like let's say Phoenix, right? They're not necessarily the smallest market. Better example. Let's say Orlando, right? Let's say Lonzo ball goes to Orlando and LeVar ball is just completely talking about how he needs to go to the Lakers, how this is the worst thing to ever happen. Let's like Eli Manning going to San Diego all over again. Then it can be a problem. <laughs> then we're running into issues. But if he's just talking, I don't think it's that big of a problem. But if, but if if it turns into like impacting basketball, which so far it hasn't at all, then whatever, right? It's just something you deal with. Where are you at on the Kentucky kids? Uh, are you higher on Fox or Monk? I like Monk more, um, but at the same time. Fox does more things, if that makes any sense. Uh, So what I mean by that is Fox is a great defender, a great playmaker, great in pick and roll, can really penetrate, does a lot of things well except for shoot the basketball. Whereas on the other hand, Malik Monk, he's a terrific shooter, literally from anywhere on the court, right? Like he can knock down shots off the dribble or off the catch. And he's a superb athlete too. And for him... His weaknesses are he's not a good defender, he's got short arms, he's not quite the playmaker that Fox is. So at six foot three, 190 pounds, he's more of like that point guard size player in today's NBA. And you would like to see him have do more of that. And here's here's the thing though. I think he can. He just hasn't shown it consistently because the opportunity hasn't been there. I think he can become more of a playmaker and take on that responsibility. I don't know if he's like a traditional point guard. I'm not saying he would be like Fox, but I think he could play that uh, score first, 
role at, at point guard in today's NBA? I absolutely think he could. And maybe... So look at it this way. A couple years ago in Kentucky, Devin Booger didn't run really over 10 pick and rolls the entire season. He never handled the ball. It was spot up shooting and attacking closeouts and occasionally handling the ball in transition. Malik Monk plays a similar-ish role this year for Kentucky where he's not getting those ball handling reps, but it doesn't mean a player can't do it just because they aren't receiving the, the chances to do it. Carl Anthony Towns didn't shoot three to, threes at Kentucky. We know now he's a great three-point shooter and he's a total force when he has the ball in the perimeter. So with Monk, I think there's more to him than we've seen, but at this time, uh, I do think it looks like Fox does more because he does. But really, Monk has some unlock uh, unlock skills that we may see more so at the next level in the NBA, depending on where he lands. How about two other high lottery projected players? Uh, which do you prefer, Jonathan Isaac at Florida State or Josh Jackson at Kansas? I prefer Jason Tatum. <laughs> well, I know, I, I, but we're, we're, listen, I'm assuming we're talking about Tatum having a shot at being the number one pick in the draft. It would, I think, it, you know, I think, it, I think Jackson has a shot too. I, I mean, really, like it's a coin flip right now between those two for me. Isaac, Isaac is the guy. I, I look at him as the third guy of that group of the the lottery forwards, and the primary reason why is because with Isaac, um, he's a forward at, uh, at Florida State. He has a body kind of like Brandon Ingram. Long arms, six foot ten, really lanky. I think for him, I don't see the ability to create off the dribble as much as I do with Tatum or Jackson. And it's possible that can be developed, and 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 it's possible that he could become the best of the group. But at the same time, I think we can already see the flashes from Tatum and the flashes from Jackson. I think Tatum's ability to really create off the dribble is remarkable, and Jackson. The shot is the, is the question for me, and then the decision-making is questionable, but the ability to create space for himself is there, too. Tatum was freakishly good in the ACC tournament, so possibly a preview of things to come. But do you, if, if you were going to suspect that there is a, a Derrick Rose-esque run, where Derrick Rose had a pretty good season, but then just took the world by storm when it got to the NCAA tournament, um, despite losing in the national title game, if there is one of those Derrick Rose uh, prior to that, Carmelo Anthony was a one and done who obviously went all the way uh, to the title game. If there is one of those, like a put a team on their back guy and have just this crazy tournament run, who would your money be on? Lonzo? Tatum? Who? Um. So I... I- I don't think it would be Tatum because I think they have so much talent on their roster that the the load might be distributed. Like you'll see Luke Kennard get a lot of opportunity, Grayson Allen. You'll see you'll see other guys right. on that team shine. And Duke is my well. The other thing that, 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 that's what befells Jackson too, right? It's he with the two guards, yeah. uh, Mason and Graham. Yeah, he, he's he's not gonna just take over every single game. Inevitably, Mason or Graham, if Kansas is gonna make a big run, those guys are gonna be lethal. Yeah. And that's why I think right. Lonzo Ball is the guy I would lean towards because he's the one who makes everything happen on that team. So I think if I had to put my money on anybody to really make that historic run, it would be Lonzo Ball. But at the same time, he's still kind of already there. I, I feel like most everybody has him in their top three. I mean, so like if it's a non-top three guy, maybe Malik Monk, who we just talked about because of his ability to score. Um Maybe Monk. I think if it's a non-top three guy, I would take Monk. But if it's anybody else that's not in the top one, aka Fultz, I'd probably go with Lonzo Ball. 
And that's what we need. We need them to keep moving forward uh, because if they do, I'm going to hang out with LeVar Ball. <laughs> I'm hoping for that now, Chris. You're going to start laying the groundwork to get that started now. They should kick the hell out of Kent State. And then they'd get the winner of Cincinnati, K-State, Wake Forest. So pick your one on K-State, Wake Forest. Uh, UCLA should move on to that next round. I mean, they should move on to the Sweet 16. I would be surprised if I, any of those teams that I just named beat them. And UCLA, Kentucky. Uh, now, Kentucky's going to have to get past Wichita or Dayton. But, man, oh, man, you could get, you could get Fox, Monk, and uh, Ball all in the same game. Hey, I, I want that. that oh, how good would Fox versus Ball be? Woo! That's what I'm hoping for. And me and LeVar just want... watching it together. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to record the podcast from the stands while the this game's happening? This man said, give my family a billion dollars, like he's damn Dr. <laughs> Evil or something. Hey, one billion dollars. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I like about LeVar Ball. I think... I think he's outrageous with some of the things he says, but he does have a vision, right? And I think that's often one of the first steps it takes to like achieving greatness in life is you know envisioning envisioning that path toward towards that goal, whatever it may be. And he has a vision for his sons, and I think that can be a little bit overbearing. So that's the negative side of it. But you can't knock the guy for having a vision, Kevin. Ask you, it's saying telling a reporter. That he wants a billion dollar contract from Nike. Did he put his shit to, to his lips like Doctor Evil when he said that? Yes, one, one billion dollars. <laughs> insane. A bill, we don't even know if the two younger ones are any good. I I really wish there was video of him saying that. Maybe there is. We a just billion, haven't seen it. I but I want that video. I saw that story last week. It's here. It is. It says Lavar Ball seeks combined one billion dollars for three sons deal, uh, and it says the father of UCLA guard Lonzo Ball and his brothers LaAngelo and Lamelo are high schoolers who are both going to UCLA. Said he's looking for a package shoe deal involving his three sons worth a billion dollars. He told USA Today. He said a billion dollars. It has to be there. That's our number, a billion, straight out of the gate. And you don't even have to give me all up front. Just give me a hundred million. What the? He wanted a hundred million up front. Did you even mention his Michael Jordan comments earlier? Yeah, I mentioned it, that he could cook Michael Jordan. Yeah. (laughs) So crazy, man. It's outrageous. Back in my heyday, I would kill Michael Jordan one-on-one. Come on, man. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, the, here's the problem with it is because you, when you do, when you say something like that, it opens uh, yourself up to everybody looking up. Okay, well, well, maybe was he really good and it just got shortened or whatever? Um, <laughs> unfortunately, people have looked up that LeVar played in high school and then played one season at Washington State where he averaged two points a game. Oh, man. That was 1987-88. Uh, yeah, it should be noted that that same season, Michael Jordan averaged 35 points a game for the Chicago Bulls. You know what that reminds me of? So a couple of years ago, Brian Scalabrini, former Celtic, former Bull, played a one-on-one game with like just like a, a normal person, I guess I should say. Because because the, the thought was like Brian Scalabrini is the worst player in the NBA. A normal guy could beat him one-on-one. 
And Brian Scalabrini just completely destroyed him in the one-on-one matchup. Like, it was embarrassing, right? And it kind of proved the point that, hey, guess what? NBA players are really, really, really good. (laughs) And I wonder if LeVar Ball kind of has that mindset in the sense that I played college. I just was overlooked. That's why I didn't make it to the NBA. Every once in a while, people need to take a step back and say, there's 450 of these jobs in the world. And, and, and you're drawing from every continent. And there's 450 people that are good enough to pull it off, or roughly, right? It, this was his quote. Back in my heyday, I would kill Michael Jordan one-on-one. I would just back him in and lift him off the ground and call a foul every time he fouls me when I do a jump hook to the right or the left. He cannot stop me one-on-one. He better make every shot because he can't go around me. He's not fast enough. And he can only make so many shots outside before I make every bucket under the rim. <laughs> Jeez. What does he He's even mean serious. by back Jordan in and lift him off the ground and call a foul every time? <laughs> so, like, what style of basketball are we playing here, LeVar? No, playing, what what, what version of basketball is this? This man said he was going to hit him with the left hook and the right hook. Woo. <laughs> oh, Woo-wee. boy. That's unbelievable. I, I hope I hope Lonzo Ball becomes a superstar, and I hope Lavar keeps talking because it's fun. It's really I'm fun. I'm having fun talking about Lavar Ball. See, you asked well, me I earlier. Can't, I can't wait to watch this NCAA <laughs> tournament, and this has been well regarded as an extremely deep, extremely talented draft. And so, I can't wait to see who emerges. Um, as these teams get on their NCAA tournament runs, this is going to be. I, I love watching it. I love the I love the NCAA tournament anyway, but I do certainly love watching it from an NBA perspective too, because some of these kids are supposed to be franchise changing guys, and this is, you know, inevitably the last time we're going to get to see them play uh, in a college uniform. And uh, you just sit there and pray that nobody gets hurt and that they perform as well as they possibly can. I'm excited. I can't wait for the thing to start for sure. It's my it's my favorite way to watch it, Chris. It always has been is from you know through an NBA lens. I know there's a lot of NBA fans that hate watching college basketball because because the talent level isn't as good as the NBA, and it's like yeah, no shit, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> the, 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 it, oftentimes it's an ugly game to watch, but March Madness is fun. Because, yes. you know, just that the the stage that they're playing on, it's fun. And just watch it through the an NBA lens. Look, look for look for the guys that you want on your favorite team. Look, look for people who fit into the system right? and and watch it through that lens. I wrote an article a couple months ago, how to scout the NBA draft and talk to like a bunch of NBA executives and college scouts about like ways to watch. Like go like Google that and look for that. And I think I think it's a good way good thing to read heading into the tournament so i'll probably tweet that out again too but i I just think it's fun to scout it's really fun for sure kevin enjoy i can't wait to see what you write about on the ringer regarding the tournament and we'll talk to you next week thanks buddy have a good one chris thanks for listening to another edition of the nba show if you dig what you're hearing go give us a rating and review on itunes if you don't dig it stay away from the ratings and reviews (laughs) and we'll talk to you on thursday Hey guys, if you want to feel confident about your NCAA March Madness bracket, 
Well, you can find tons of tips at coke.com slash always ready. I heard about the website when I was in Walmart picking up a six-pack of Coca-Cola and an eight-pack of Powerade for tip-off. It had so many great stats that helped me fine-tune my bracket. See for yourselves and gear up for the games by grabbing some Coca-Cola and Powerade at Walmart. And get in on the March Madness action by visiting coke.com slash always ready. NCAA and March Madness are trademarks of the National Collegiate Athletic Association.